Welcome back to another episode of the Retail Therapy Podcast. I am your host, XR, and today we are bringing you part two of our mini-series, The Enduring Impact of Rock Music on Fashion. Now, just to recap, in part one, we took a short, comprehensive look at how rock music has had a profound impact on how we dress, starting roughly in the 1960s and taking us to the modern era. Now, for part two, we have the amazing and talented Josh Galdo joining us. He is a fellow YouTuber and content creator whose history with heavier music has had a profound impact on how he dresses. Together, we discuss rap and hip hop's current obsession with emo and alternative music, Gen Z's interpretation of grunge and Y2K, our personal music tastes, and much, much more. Before we begin, I have to give a huge shout out to Josh for coming on the show. I, I, I can't stress how much I enjoyed the conversation. He was so insightful, and it was just a pleasure to have him on. Um, Josh was recently in New York a couple of weeks ago, and we had the opportunity to meet up, and it was, it was fantastic. We had a great conversation, um, and I enjoyed every second of our time together. So Josh, hopefully I can see you again in the future real, real soon. Last thing too, uh, if you guys want to support the show, obviously join our Discord server, follow us on Instagram, and leave us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. All right, without any further notice, here is part two on the enduring impact of rock music on fashion featuring Josh Gaza. All right, let's get right into the show. I would say that my earliest introduction to like music that I seek out myself was, oh man, I think... If there was one band to kind of personify like the earliest moments of me getting into this um, type of music, I would definitely say is Linkin Park. I think that's like a lot of people's kind of like introduction to both like hip hop and uh, rock music, like back in the early 2000s. And so um, I remember when I was four years old, my dad introduced me to Linkin Park, as well as we went on a trip to like the Philippines where my cousins were super into Linkin Park. Weirdly enough, Linkin Park was like a kind of a big deal in the Philippines in the early 2000s. I have no idea why. But um, yeah, I all of my cousins were into the same band at the same time. And it was just Linkin Park. And I have no idea how that came about. But um, even like as a child, what really fascinated me was uh, Chester Bennington's voice, R.I.P. Chester. Um, and it was kind of my first foray into, I guess, harsh vocals. And from there, I went down the rabbit hole, found other artists who were like singing in like alternative ways. I mean, I know that um, F Tones is having a really big moment right now, and like System of a Down was absolutely huge back in that time. Um, but yeah, like the early 2000s, new metal, um, pop punk, like Blink 182, Green Day. Like it just, for me, resonated because like the lyrics and themes were so much more, I guess, in my eyes, realistic at the time. Because I'm like, oh, not even as a child, I was like, not everything's happy. So I didn't love pop music too, too much. And I didn't really care about romantic topics because, I mean, I'm a child. And so theming and lyrics and singing styles then kind of like was my foray into different subcultures and different subgenres of rock music. And I mean, as I got into the subcultures and went through the motions of kind of doing my own research, looking into different things, um, of course, everyone develops their own, their own tastes for exactly which subcultures you want to identify yourself with. And I mean, later on down the line, I think I would say like a pretty big, 
moment for me developing both my style and and individual tastes is definitely middle school like so the ages from like 11 to 13 i was like i, I tried real hard to be a scene kid <laughs> it's like a little embarrassing because like it's, it's one of those like cringy like young years of like yeah i love the the edginess and grittiness of it and but it, along with that came a lot of a lot of like style inspiration like the whole scene era was its own it's de definitely was its own thing and I can actually see it coming back um, today where like people are kind of like bringing that whole time back, which is like, I don't know. I, I, I love to see it because it's kind of like a blast from the past for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there and I think it's funny how we're seeing certain bands um, come back and have like really important cultural moments right now. Um, and I do want to get into how you feel about social platforms playing a role into that, right? Like, you know, you mentioned seeing kid days. And I think before I had you on the podcast recently, you were talking about how like you went through a sneaker phase, but you also listened to like pop punk back in the day, et cetera. Um, yeah. Like, would you say how you dress now pays respect to the music that you grew up listening to? Like how, like, do you still pull influences from punk and hardcore and metal music? In my college days, um, I was really big on like pop punk. Uh, the story so far is one of my favorite bands, like just of all time. I actually have a story so far tattoo. Uh, the story so far and like Citizen, like I, they had a very prominent like style for pop punk in like the 2010s, and it was like yeah, less about the playfulness of like Blink 182 and like the youthfulness and more moody, more introspective. Yeah, yeah, it was like. It was actually very like grunge inspired, and I definitely think that my style today um, emulates that. I mean, as I get older, it's changing a little bit, but for a while, I really uh, admired both punk and grunge style. They're very, very similar in most respects. They kind of like overlap in a lot of ways. But looking back into like just kind of the way that I am now, like trying to do my own little self research and looking back into punk, uh, how people like dressed as punks in the past um, really fascinated me and like doing a little bit more like kind of self-reflection I was like you know what like my appreciation for punk kind of makes sense because I also have an appreciation for like um, like Japanese workwear and stuff which is like all like very apparent and um, I mean DIY punk clothing like ripped tattered torn and like repaired things is like a big deal in like punk culture and punk style whereas like it's exactly the same thing in japanese clothing with like the the whole like the concept of like wabi-sabi like it kind of coincides with each other but in completely different parts of the world and i think that's kind of where they intersect in a very strange way yeah yeah and i think that's a good segue to talk about one of the major points i wanted to, to get your perspective on so you know, obviously, you know, Fear of God, Jerry Boyer, right, clearly inspired by grunge. It was, you know, pretty on the nose in around the 2010s where Fear of God was heading in terms of styling. It was, you know, the ripped jeans, the the grunge flannels, and obviously the the, the vintage cheese, or the fake vintage cheese, I should say. Then um, I'm sure you remember, like, when that look took off, you had H&M, Zara, Forever 21. They were printing all these fake banties. And... Um, you know, it got to the point where it just didn't feel very genuine. And there seemed to be like a staunch divide between the image 
and the music, if that makes sense. Um, and right now, when I look at heavier, how heavier music has influenced fashion today, like when I go on TikTok, I see metal coming back. I see Linkin Park coming back, Deftones, etc. Um, and it makes me feel like this current interpretation of grunge is a lot more substantive because the music is at the forefront of it. Whereas during the Jerry Boy era, it really wasn't, if that makes sense. So I guess, like, do you feel like the current revitalization of emo grunge, Y2K, like, does that feel more authentic than it did during our era in the 2010s? Yeah, like, like, give me a sense of, of how you feel about that. Yeah, I can absolutely, like, agree with that, that the appreciation and um, representation of Y2K is a little bit more authentic than it was in the past um, with the Jerry Boy stuff. And I, I, I do remember when... Jerry Lorenzo was taking legitimate like vintage shirts and just putting a print over it, a fear of God print over it, and then selling it for like a thousand dollars. That I wasn't a huge fan of, uh, just simply because I was like, well, these band tees are great as is. I mean, anybody who grew up with it or anybody who has an interest in rock music just in general would appreciate a really good vintage tee. And then, like having to slap fear of God over it and putting it on Justin Bieber, um, I was like, I it, it feels so artificially marketed because what you're really buying is a vintage tea, and already that's enough to sell the product. But then to add multiple hundreds of dollars because it says fear of God and was on Justin Bieber with like Marilyn Manson teas, Nirvana teas, I was like, you know what? Like it does kind of feel a little disingenuous. Um, especially for the time, because, I mean, Jerry came from a background of, like, hip-hop culture and sports culture and all that, which I'm like, uh, it, it does it does feel appropriated to a degree. And, I mean, I think that kind of follows suit with the fast fashion companies that you were mentioning. And I would say that, like, any corporate entity that makes clothing, personally, I think is quite corny. But I do think that the capitalization on it is inevitable because if if someone like Jerry as a um, as a quote unquote luxury um, luxury fashion company can do it, then Urban Outfitters, Forever Twenty One, H and M, they can all create like reprints of vintage tees and do whatever treatments to make it look like a vintage tee, and to the culture at to the culture on like a a, a consumer level. It seems lame. I mean, I don't like it because I just want a legitimate vintage tea. But to them, they're still making money because, I mean, people like us do actually like know the background information, do know the 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 backing knowledge that goes behind whatever it is you're representing. And to us, we have this, this feeling of it's 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 deeper than other people take it to be it, it's this like kind of possessiveness that we have because we simply grew up with these things whereas like i mean you look at you look on the street and like you see someone in a guns and roses tea it's so overdone that i really feel like i could not walk up to someone that has a lincoln park tea on and talk to them about lincoln park it kind of like really kind of deflates my excitement whenever I see someone walking around and like they have a Lincoln Park tee on. I'm saying like it it's really weird 
and inevitable. The companies, all they care about is making money, which is totally fine. I mean, every company, their goal is to make money, and I totally understand, but really at the expense of the community. Um, as much as I love the Y2K thing, because that's kind of like what I grew up around and like what we grew up around, uh, like seeing it, like it's kind of like seeing what we saw in the past already, which is kind of fun. But a lot of the people who are consuming like Y2K era stuff nowadays, like, you know, as for us, we're already like older working people where we have to dress certain ways for our jobs. We have to kind of present ourselves certain ways. Whereas like a lot of the people who are consuming Y2K stuff were born don't know like in the early 2000s so they didn't like necessarily grow up around it it feels weird but I'd, i'm not mad because i mean i know style has like it's, it's just a it's a cycle yeah yeah and I, I think tiktok for all its faults has been a key driver in that like how many times have you opened tiktok and you hear dev tones right it, it happens a lot more than i thought and i think it's pretty great to be honest um and even if like someone isn't paying attention to the video they're still hearing the music right and and when you're hearing the music repeatedly like that there's a chance that they're going to you know there's a chance that a person is going to maybe dive in a little bit more to the culture and like try to find out what that is um but seriously like led zeppelin lincoln park devtones like all these bands get hundreds of millions of views on tiktok and it's just so crazy to think about because um you know, it feels like the music is being more incorporated into the culture than it was, uh, you know, during the Jerry Boy era 10 years ago. Yeah, dude, I'm like 100% like supporter of sharing my interests and like, I mean, obviously I'm, I, I make YouTube videos about things that I like. So I'm, I'm super open to sharing um, my experiences with these bands i'm sh i'm super open to welcoming new listeners to music that they probably wouldn't have been exposed to in the past and it's really just kind of like a gateway into opening up a, an entire subculture to young people and i'm such a like i i really like education if these kids start wearing things of that subculture i think it's inevitable that they end up kind of some of them at least end up exploring a little bit more and then finding new music or old music and then just kind of like snowballing into an interest that could actually mean much, much more than just buying a t-shirt from H&M or Zara. Like it could be the gateway for them to an entire world of new music. You know, you and I never really got to live through the golden age of rock music, really. Like, we didn't grow up in the 70s listening to Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, you know, sell out stadiums. Uh, we never got to really experience all that. And, you know, I guess we did a little bit during the new metal era. Like, obviously, Linkin Park and Korn, they were selling out stadiums, right? Um, but really, over the past 20 years, the predominant genre has been rap and hip-hop, you know. Two genres that I love and two subcultures that I love, but their influence on like mainstream music and culture is huge. Um, however, over the past couple of years, we're seeing rappers that are clearly influenced by like emo and darker music, right? We're seeing darker aesthetics. We're seeing metal logos, like the death metal logos that look like fucking sticks, right? Like Playboy Cardi is wearing Rick head to toe, like you know, ghost main, there's so many artists that are incorporating screaming into, into their rapping. Um, and it's clear that like rappers are becoming and have been inspired by, by metal music. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on, on this embrace and how it impacts like this new generation, um, looking at their, 
their big influences and saying, wait, they're pulling, you know, they're pulling inspiration from stuff I've never heard. The incorporation of rock music into rap has created some of the most interesting and fun and innovative music that I've like ever heard because I never would have thought that 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 those two realms would kind of overlap in any way. I always thought of them as two different entities. But then you see things like on um, Lil Uzi's new album where he has a cover of um, oh shit, Chop Suey. Yeah, yeah, he has a cover of Chop Suey on there. Although I don't love it. It's obviously someone who's like, I just like this song, so I'm just going to make my own version of it. And I honestly think that attitude is is quite a bit of fun. And then you see other people like emo rap. I It took me a while. It took me a very long while. But I absolutely love emo rap now. Like um, Juice World R.I.P. If you listen to Juice World lyrics, if you were to just put a guitar to it, it would sound like a straight up pop punk song. Like it is in my eyes, so good. And other people like emo rappers, Shinigami, um, ghost man, right? Like super heavy. He listens to super heavy music, grew up listening to metal. He's a rapper, but screams and music's hella heavy. There's so many artists doing that right now. Combination is so, so good. And it just goes to show that obviously like, there was something there. There's something to explore. And it's just like another outlet to make add variety to hip hop. But now there's even more flavors of rap that are like tinged with rock music. And honestly, like it is just so much fun because there's so much variety now. Yeah. I mean, that little Uzi album was the hottest shit when it came out, right? Tens of millions of streams, right? Um, how many kids who who have listened to you know the Chop Suey cover and been like, oh, what the fuck is this? Let me go listen to the original, and you know see see what this is, right? Um, and that's the stuff we're seeing right now. It's all coming full circle in a way that I don't think people realize. You know that when Little Uzi covers Chop Suey or that Bring Me the Horizon is featured on the record, it has a much more profound impact on not only you know bringing rock music back into the limelight but on fashion because people want to absorb the music and everything that comes with it oh yeah 100 percent. and then like to bring it back a, a little bit to um who we were talking about scene era like the the song with bring me the horizon on that album is actually incredibly good like i was like wait first and foremost why is there a bring me the horizon song like a collab song on here and then when i listened to it i was like this is actually so fire and i know little uzi verse probably gotten some slack from like hip-hop fans to be like why are you including people who are completely out of the genre well i'm like wait this like has opened i mean he did the uh, uh, cover of chop suey which incorporates the new metal like subculture and then he did a song with bring me the horizon which includes the like 2010 scene culture and i'm like wait this is literally bringing together some of the strangest times in like pop culture yeah and it's giving more visibility now more than ever um for rock music than i think it could have ever done on its own especially considering how big hip-hop and rap is right now right um again it's almost like a full circle moment and honestly i think it's really cool that rappers have been embracing it i think it's even cooler however that you know rappers are embracing the darker aesthetic and it gives their fans an opportunity to dig a little deeper and say you know where is this coming from um 
you know, when a rapper wears like a black flag t-shirt on or something, you know, a kid somewhere will have the chance to be like, oh, what is this? You know, now all of a sudden they're listening to 80s punk. Um, and, you know, from there they're going down into other rabbit holes. You know, we're seeing Balenciaga, as you know, embrace that edge, right? Like almost this deathcore Y2K kind of aesthetic. And, you know, I, I don't think it is on the nose as much as people think it is. And, you know, it's obvious it's obvious that a lot of these luxury houses are finding inspiration from bands like Korn, from bands like Linkin Park, Devtones. And they're making it high fashion in a way that combines this dystopian matrix, gothic, cyberpunk aesthetic with early 2000s silhouettes and, of course, heavier music, you know? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I, I definitely, like, I think Balenciaga is probably the most obvious um, example of that. And I, I, whenever I see, like, a lot of Balenciaga stuff, I remember there was, like, I don't know if it's a collection or a runway. I'm not really up on that, up on it like that. But I, I remember that they did a very, like, a lot of black, a lot of very oversized, and a lot of, like, very dark. Like, what, what people would consider as, like, opium core now. Like, uh, everything that Playboy Cardi did. Like, I can, I can literally draw connections to, like, how punks dressed back in the day. It's a mixture of, like, the Misfits and then new Metal. And then, like, it's it's really interesting how the past has influenced the future in regard to fashion and you see these exaggerated proportions you see all these crazy crazy like studs super detailed um uh, super detailed accessories things like that a lot of that came from older older like rock centered things and i know a lot of like people are really big on like baggy pants now that have like I mean, the raver pants from Balenciaga, that's like a whole nother subculture that they just kind of like dragged into the mix. But it's I honestly would have never thought that that would be popular again, because like that raver subculture back then was like kind of cringe and a little strange. You're right. That cyberpunk that like futuristic, but drawing from old old subcultures is so prominent and so cool. And as a fan of rock music, seeing it precipitate into what it is today i'm really surprised that it commands the prices that it does because back in the day if you're looking at even like classic rock and glam rock where a lot of like rick owens things are very like glam inspired a lot of sequence a lot of color a lot of those like silhouettes come from like glam metal back in the day and i'm like that's so cool that they have created a luxury out of what was considered disruptive music back then yeah i mean look at hair metal and glam rock in the 80s right um it was in it was in response to the 70s but you look at grunge in the 90s what was grunge in response to well it was response it was a response to like the theatrics and the happy-go-lucky and you know the the yeah just like the 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 positive vibe of hair metal right and, you know, bands like Nirvana were like, no, fuck that. Like, we're going to talk about shit that's real. We're going to get very introspective. We're going to get sludgy and heavy. And we're going to go back and listen to Black Sabbath and get influence from there. You know, we're, we're tired of, like, this this glamorous type of metal. That's not what this is about. We're going to try something new. And it's almost like a response to a negative sentiment that a certain subculture has. And new music grows from that and adapts into something new and rock music has done that for decades and i think that's so fascinating 
Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I definitely think rock music has a nature has in it, in its nature is oftentimes a response to something. I remember um, quite well, maybe not too too long ago, but before I did like um, before I did content, before I w- when I was exploring my style, um, I remember. I guess in the twenty tons era, I was like kind of infatuated with, um, like eighties like rock stars. So I was in skinny jeans, boots, um, like flowy shirts, like All Saints, Saint Laurent, th- that that kind of like thing. I remember that was a huge thing. After that, I was uh, directly kind of like drawing because I liked punk music for a really long time. So I kind of got into the. Uh, rabbit hole of going into it a little bit more and since I like the harsher music I went into learning about um, like the British skinhead culture and I, I want to make it very clear not like our modern interpretation of that because that's not cool like not cool at all but to learn that like the 70s 70s British skinhead res- was in response to hippies it was literally because, oh, people were growing their hair out and, and being all about free love and everything. Well, that punk, like Doc Martens, Selvage Denim, and workwear was in direct response to hippies, and it was the complete opposite. They're going to be like, we are proud to be blue-collar workers, and we are going to show that by shaving our heads in direct opposition to what was popular with hippies. And I was like, see, I feel like there's this this feeling and air of defiance that is with like inherent rock lovers and it makes for great clothing yeah and kind of to relate that back to the pod i think that moving forward my bold prediction if you want is that rock music is going to continuously be increasingly influential um in fashion uh, you know we're already seeing that you know with with how music trends are currently going and honestly, I have to give a big shout out and props to Gen Z because when we were growing up and when we had the opportunity to seize the moment with grunge coming back and, alter- and alternative music coming back, like we kind of we kind of fumbled the bag a little bit, right? Like when grunge had its moment in the 2010s, it was so superficial because it was skin deep. It wasn't about the music. It was just about the look. So... Yeah, I mean, I have to give props to Gen Z and these younger kids who are actually doing what our generation couldn't do in the 2010s. And they're they're not just looking at the fashion, they're looking at the music. We are considered the youngest of millennials. And so what I would consider Gen Z to be like their biggest, biggest accomplishment is that they are remarkably good at being uh, conscientious, conscientious consumers. Like they do their research, they know the background, and they will find any sort of issue problem or reason to dislike something i i think i think of things relatively like in a deep way but wow my brother he's like seven years younger than me and i was like dude like you are exposed to designers and like you're still in college when i was in college it was so difficult well okay maybe like a little like when i was in high school so difficult to actually know about any real designer yeah, absolutely. 100%. Right. And the accessibility is just there more than it ever has been. And again, it's just platforms like TikTok and Instagram that have been able to cultivate this research, this, you know, 
uh, resurgence of rock music. Yeah, like vintage is absolutely huge. So I think that's actually one of the saving graces for Y2K being a very prominent style that's going to continue to be um, a mainstream thing is that like because Y2K is now like a huge trend, I mean, finding clothes from 20 years ago is remarkably easy. Like they are littering the uh, uh, thrift stores. You can you can fund what people consider to be a good Y2K wardrobe by just maybe spending a week thrifting in multiple different places. Uh, and like this, this is like for a lot of people, not just people who are into Y2K, but it depends on how you put it together. And that's inherently teaching people how to style, which these people in Gen Z are doing a remarkable job at dressing themselves. And I think that what's going to save rock music going forward is younger people actually embracing the culture in a way that is representative of the movement. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, like, I, I'm finally feeling like rock music is getting getting its, like, getting what it deserves. Because for a while, it was in such a little bit of a lull. Like going When I was in college, going to, like, punk shows, I would go to, like, um, like little shows at, like, venues that were absolutely tiny. There wasn't even a stage. It's just, like, a giant room with people to just, like, basically rock out to music that they liked. And nowadays, like, bro, like, I'm going to a knocked loose concert uh, later this month, and I it's like sold out. Yeah, man, knocked loose selling out stadiums. Yeah, they're like they were at Coachella, bro. What? Like what? Yeah, at Coachella, fucking Billie Eilish was. You can see her backstage, like rocking out to knock loose. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, this is actually so dope to see to see the progression, and I, I'm really excited to see how it, co- it comes in the future, and. I mean, at this point, anything is possible, genuinely. Thank you all again for listening to another episode of the Retail Therapy Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this little two-part series we did. It was a lot of work, but I think what came out is something that we can all kind of enjoy and, and, and dissect and really think about as we go throughout uh, our days and, and trying to figure out you know, what comes next. Uh, for rock music in in fashion as always please follow us on instagram leave us a five-star review on the apple podcast app and i will have all of josh's links down below i'll have his instagram and his youtube as always thank you all so much for embarking on this journey with us we'll be back very soon with the next episode and a new guest until then stay safe stay healthy and we'll see you next time peace Woo.